Good morning. This week, as we, as we look at peace, and as I prepared for today's message, and as I prayed this week for all of us here, the, the message today is, is not to change the circumstances in your life. It's not to take away the death and the destruction that's all around us. The message of peace is how do we live in a, in a world where all that is surrounding us? Because it's not going away. In fact, I believe in scripture that it's only going to get worse. It is not going to get better. And so I'm not here today to say that everything around you is going to be at peace. That everything around us is going to be well. And that everything around us is going to be without disturbance. And this this season that we're in, Christmas season, the holiday season... It's a season in which we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. And so we celebrate Advent as we celebrate the coming of Jesus Christ. But even more, we celebrate his death, his resurrection, and we look forward to the day that he is returning. And so this week, as I've prepared, you know, I I don't preach often. And so it's, it's, it's not a routine, it's not a, uh, it's not a habit that I'm in every week of preparing for Sunday. And so as I, kind of my formation of thoughts is that I just start with just asking the Lord what he would have to share. And I just start writing out notes. It's just random notes throughout the, probably the last two or three weeks, just thoughts that's in my head, that's in my heart. And I just write them out. And then about midweek, I start formulating those into some type of an organized outline to try and get some organized thought to it. And even like this morning, just leading up to today, I just, I keep playing out in my mind the things that I hope to say, that I wish to say. And oftentimes, after the sermon is preached, I think back, man, I didn't say that. But I'm trusting today that the Holy Spirit will bring to remembrance the things that he's placed on my heart to share with you today things that we need to hear as his body. And so as we look at the word peace, oftentimes in this world people think of peace, they think of it as war or to be absence of war. There was a a story of a king who offered a prize to the artist who would paint the best picture of peace. Many artists tried. The king looked at all pictures, but there were only two that he really liked, and he had to choose between them. One picture was of a calm lake. The lake was a perfect mirror, for peaceful towering mountains were all around it. 
Overhead was a blue sky with fluffy white clouds. All who saw this picture thought that it was the perfect picture of peace. The other picture had mountains too, but these were rugged and bare. Above was an angry sky in which rain fell and which lightning played. Down the side of the mountain tumbled a foaming waterfall. This did not look peaceful at all, but when the king looked, he saw behind the beautiful waterfall, behind the waterfall, a tiny bush growing in the crack of the rock. In the bush, a mother bird had built her nest. There in the midst of the rush of angry water sat the mother bird on her nest, protecting and in perfect peace. Which pitcher do you think won the prize? The king chose the second pitcher because, explained the king, peace does not mean to be in a place where there is no noise, where there is no trouble or hard work. Peace means to be in the midst of all those things and still be calm in your heart. That is the real meaning of peace. And so today, if you have your word of God, you can open to John 14. John chapter 14, we're going to start in verse 25. And just to set up this scene, this is when Jesus is sharing his last meal with his disciples. He's imparting to them all kinds of wisdom, all kinds of truths. But he also knows, and he has also shared with them what is to come. Not only what is to come for the future, but also what is to come in the very next hours of his life and in their life. And so I'm going to read it, verses 25 through 31. We're going to break it down. So starting in verse 25, this is Jesus. He said, these things I have spoken to you while I'm still with you. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. Verse 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You have heard me say to you, I am going away, and I will come to you. If you love me, you would have rejoiced, because I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me. But I do as the Father commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. The word of the Lord. And so in this upper room, we see in verse 25, that Jesus is saying these things while he's still with them. He wants them to know what is about to come, but he also He wants to comfort their hearts. 
We see in verse 27 at the second part that he says, Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Can you imagine the disciples have just spent the last several years of their life hand in hand with Jesus, walking with him everywhere, seeing the miracles, seeing and celebrating the raising of life, the giving of sight to the blind, the healing of leprosy, the walking on water, to see all these things. Not only that, but they've been waiting for the Messiah for years. They've been longing and looking for the Messiah to come, and he's finally here. And now he's saying that he's about to go away. He knew that their hearts would be troubled. He's speaking to their hearts. He knows what is about to come. He knows the death that he is about to face. He knows the persecution that the disciples are about to go through. But he was focused on their hearts. In verse 28, he sees that he says, I'm going away, but I will come to you. And then we get to the, the key verse in verse 27. And this is Jesus speaking. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give. And so we look at that, and I, there's a few key things that we need to look at this verse and break it down and see. He is not promising to give us a peaceful life. He is not looking to them to say that you were going to have a peaceful life. We know what is about to come. We've seen it. Them at this time, they don't know what's about to come. Jesus has foretold some things to them, but we've seen it. We've got movies about it. We know the death and the destruction of their lives that is about to come. And so we know that he is not promising that they will have a peaceful life. But what he says is, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Jesus' peace he is giving to the disciples. We'd like to read this verse as if Jesus was granting peace all around us. That's what, that's what a lot of times we want. We seek that. We want life to be without destruction. We want life to be without death or disturbance. We want to live a peaceful life. But Jesus is not telling his disciples that he is leaving them in a state of blessed euphoria. We know that. He's not granting them a condition of happiness, prosperity, and personal well-being. He's saying just the opposite. There will be trouble. Over and over again, Jesus said that there will be difficult times for those that follow him. We see in verse 30, he says that he's not going to be with them, talk with them much longer, for the ruler of this world is coming. And so I just I want us to, to understand, to grasp the, the peace in which Jesus left, the peace in which he gave to his disciples is a peace within our heart, not a circumstantial peace of those things around us. And I'm here to be honest with you today, those things aren't going to change. The difficulties of this world are not going to change. 
as Kyle and Amber read, John 16, 32. You don't have to go there, but you've taken notes. Later on, after this night, Jesus told him, said, Behold, the hour is coming, and indeed it has come, when you will be scattered, each to his own home, and will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. So what does it mean when he says that he is leaving them his peace? What is his peace? Remember the scene. The statement comes before the death and resurrection. During his last conversation with his disciples, as they share a meal, Yet he tells them to not be afraid. He is leaving them a special relationship. Through his death, he's making it possible so that his peace may indwell us. This is not a peace that will someday be theirs. This is not a a foretelling of when a time will come when they will have peace. He's saying, no, I am leaving my peace with you saying, my peace I give to you. And this is not only for the disciples. This is for each of us that have been born again. It's a declaration that God has opened the door for each of us. And it's a gift. Jesus said, I give this to you. It is not an accomplishment of anything that we've done. It's not an accomplishment of what the disciples have done. You know, as we share in this time of year and and communicating with my son and asking him, you know, why don't we celebrate Christmas? And we talk about the birth of Jesus Christ. But we also talk about the time of, of sharing gifts and just how Jesus shared the ultimate gift of his blood, so that we may have communion and relationship with God. But specifically today, we're looking at peace, and we're looking at the gift of peace that he's given us. And so we see that the peace that Jesus gives is not based on circumstances, or how safe our life is, or how secure we think we are, It is a peace that in the midst of all these tribulations that we can rest in the sovereignty of God. And if you look back in verse 27, he says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. And so we have to look at that and we have to dig into that and see there's a contrast there of the world and the world that gives peace. And so what was Jesus talking about? There is a peace that the world offers. There's a peace of mind, but there's not a peace of heart. You know, we have all these insurances these 
these securities that we place in our lives to, to reduce the anxiety of whether it be floods, we have flood insurance, we have life insurance, health insurance, we have retirement accounts and savings accounts and we want to increase our income so that we can have security, so that we can have peace of mind. That is the peace that the world offers. A peace that will relieve anxiety temporarily and momentarily. A peace that will make us feel safe and secure temporarily. The peace offered by the world is an empty promise and can only bring a temporary comfort. And so today I want us to look at the peace that Jesus offers, the peace of heart. Not our peace, his peace. We don't want our peace. And we don't want to seek peace. We want to seek Jesus so that his peace can be made our peace. There was a time in my life that, that I sought the world's peace. 2005, actually, I was serving with Michael at New Covenant as a junior high youth minister and connected with some old friends and, and, and saw a lifestyle that, that I thought was what I wanted, that I thought would bring satisfaction, that seeking really to be wealthy would bring security, seeking that peace that the world offers, and it led to a life of destruction. And pursuing the things that this world offered led me to a place of just complete emptiness, completely void of the peace in my heart. And April 1st, 2008, I was sitting on my back porch. Hey, Siri. Um, sitting on my back porch, actually, I think I was smoking a cigarette and just completely empty. And I cried out to God. I said, God, this is not who I am. This is not who I want to be. I cried out to him and confessed. And I went inside and I opened the scripture. And I opened to Luke 18. And I read, two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed this. God, I thank you that I'm not like the other men. Extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. And that night, the Lord continued to do a work in my heart 
continued to convict me of sin and disobedience. And I knew what it means to have the peace of, of my heart. Even though everything around me was still in chaos. So we look at this peace that Jesus gives, the gift that he gave his disciples at night. We want to know, how do we have this peace? Just like that night, first we must be born again. We know that our communion with God has been broken because of sin. We know that Jesus made a way for that relationship to be restored. That's what we celebrate. We celebrate the coming of Jesus Christ at Christmas. If he had not come, then our relationship with God would not be restored. We see in Hebrews 10, 19 through 20, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. Jesus' blood made the way for us to enter into the holiest of holies. His flesh was torn. The veil was torn. His body was torn so that we may enter. And we also see in John 14 that he says that a helper is coming. That he must go away so that the helper may come, the comforter may come, the advocate may come. And so once we're born again, once we, our relationship, our communion with the Father has been restored through the blood of Jesus Christ, we must live in the power of the Holy Spirit as God has designed. Jesus promised that he would send the Holy Spirit, and he did. There's a power in the Holy Spirit And there's power in the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit indwells inside each and every one of us that have been born again. And I think it's something that we as believers, that we don't don't fully comprehend the power of the Holy Spirit. And even as a church, and two weeks ago, I know Michael preached from John 7 in the life full of living water. And so, I want to look briefly just at the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And I'm not going to go to these, but in John 16, 8, 9, we see that the Holy Spirit actively works for the salvation of non-believers. We see in John 14 that he's the comforter. Again, in John 16, we see that The Holy Spirit reveals truth. He reveals truth to the believer and truth to the non-believer. We see in 1 Corinthians 12 that the Holy Spirit is the gift giver and enabler. We see in Galatians 5 that the Holy Spirit is the harvester of the fruit in our lives. One of those fruits being peace. In Galatians 5, it teaches us to walk according to the Spirit and not according to the flesh. This world is still broken. 
There is still death and destruction and disturbance all around us. It will not go away until Jesus returns with a new heaven and a new earth. And although the power of sin no longer reigns in our life, there's a presence of sin all around us. And we must live in the power of the Holy Spirit to put to death the deeds of the flesh so that we may live in the fullness of the fruit of the Spirit. And lastly, something that the Lord has taught me over the last few years is to to be eternally minded, to set our mind on things above. We see in Colossians 3, Paul says, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on these things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. We must meditate on the day when we feast with our groom and the new heaven and the new earth are established. There is a day that is coming when there will be no more brokenness. We must set our minds on that, set our minds on the things above and not on things of this earth. We're going to watch a video it's a little jumpy, but the, the audio is good. This is a video of Jesus and his disciples. And it, the words are actually the reading of scripture. And it's, they're acting it out. And so I want to watch this as we finish up. Then he got into the boat and his disciples followed him. Suddenly, a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. He replied, You of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves. And it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, What kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. And so as we are eternally minded, we must also rest in the sovereignty of God. We must rest in the fact that Jesus commands the winds and the waves to obey. In this world, we will have trouble. It's not an if, it's a guarantee. The circumstances of your life and our lives will change. There will be valleys and there will be mountaintops. But Jesus 
the one who commanded the wind and the waves to obey, said, My peace I give to you. My peace I leave with you. And so we must rest in that. We can find rest. And so today as we respond to the word of God, there's really two responses. Maybe you where I'm at on April 1st, 2008, completely void of the peace of God in our hearts and in your heart. And you want it, you long for it, you desire it. Cry out as the tax collector did, God be merciful to me, I'm a sinner. Or maybe we've been seeking the peace of mind. We know the peace of Jesus in our heart. But we're still anxious. We're anxious of the circumstances around us, of the disturbances in our life. And we just need to repent and get place, get to the place of rest. To rest in his sovereignty, to rest in knowing that he is in control. To rest in what is coming. That he will return. He told his disciples, I am coming. I am leaving, but I'm coming back to you. And so today we celebrate his birth. We celebrate his death and resurrection. And we look to the day that he returns. And we have peace in that. In the midst of everything that's around us. And so as the band comes back up, as the Holy Spirit has worked in your heart, respond. Michael will be up here. I'm going to stand over here. The word of God works. His truth works. The Holy Spirit works. We have a responsibility to respond. And so I just ask today that you do that as he leads. Let's pray. Father, we come this morning not asking for the circumstances of our life to change. We're praying that our hearts change we change be more like you Father we ask that your Holy Spirit would continue to work out salvation in non-believers and that Father you would continue to work out salvation in our own lives Lord, reveal to us anything that is quenching or grieving the Holy Spirit individually and as a body. Lord, lead us to a place where we can rest in the midst of the storms of this life. We face death and destruction. So we can rest in your sovereignty of who you are. We can rest in your peace.
you freely gave us. Lord, we love you. And Lord, we just respond. 